Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend The Poor Swiss. I heard him speak on the Financial Independence Europe podcast about investing in the stock markets, and I thought it would be a great fit for the show. The Poor Swiss is a Swiss, yeah, the blogger uh, writing about his pursuit of financial independence. One of the ways he tries to achieve this is through investing in the stock markets, and on his blog you can find the result of his extensive research on the matter. Watch out though, his blog is very interesting and uh, yeah, it's easy to fall down into the rabbit hole. <laughs> when one looks online for information in English on investing in the stock markets, one often stumbles upon articles or podcasts of our US friends, as you may have heard uh, here on the podcast. And the common advice is to start investing in low-cost index funds and often uh, the Vanguard S&P 500 fund is uh, recommended or talked about. We will discuss if this approach makes sense for us here in Europe, if we simply should switch the S&P 500 fund with a European one, or if we should disregard this investing strategy altogether. We will also discuss how and where to look for ETFs, and we will share reviews on European online brokers, uh, such as the Giro and Interactive Brokers. And just a little word of warning, nor the poor Swiss, nor I or financial advisors Whatever we talked about, it is with passion and interest, but uh, it's not financial advice, so it's for entertainment and education purposes only. This episode is for you if you're living in Europe and want to know more about getting started with investing in the stock markets. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, the poor Swiss. How are you doing today? Hello, John. I'm doing great. What about you? Yes, I'm all good here. Uh, still in the Corona times here in uh, Luxembourg. Feeling safe. Luckily, uh, it's beautiful weather outside. My family is all right. So I'm uh, grateful for that. Yeah. So yeah, these are strange times, but still we, we keep a positive mood and uh, keep inside. Stay safe. I hope it's the same. Uh, or oh, I guess it's the same uh, for you, uh, the poor Swiss. It's about the same. Working at home. Very nice weather. All family is safe. Everybody is healthy. So cannot complain too much. Yes. Okay. That, that's good to hear. And uh, yeah, let's keep safe. And hopefully within a couple of weeks or uh, how can I say a low number of months, this can be all over. Anyway, so yeah, health is important in this time. So yeah, that should be our focus. Uh, of course, I'm not a health specialist. We are here at Johnny Talk. So we're gonna, we are gonna talk money. So the poor Swiss, I, uh, yeah, first, before we, we get on, I have a question because yeah, the poor and Swiss, This sounds like opposites. When I think of Switzerland, I think of uh, nice mountains, green pastures, uh, raclette cheese, watches, and of course, bank secrecy and money. So uh, are, are you some kind of a rich Swiss in disguise? Uh, what's, what's up with this uh, nickname, the poor Swiss? Yeah, it's a great question. So everybody thinks that every Swiss is rich. So it's true that the country itself is rich. The average wealth is quite high. But not everybody in Switzerland is rich. And actually, the large majority of people is not rich. We cannot really complain. We have a good life here, but uh, we are not as rich as people think. So I wanted to 
show that a bit in my title, a bit of a joke somehow. <laughs> I'm not rich. I won't, I'm not poor at all either. But, uh, and I don't aim to be rich. Hopefully I will be more wealthy, but uh, never rich. Yeah, because your goal with your blog and uh, we're going to talk about um, investing in the stock markets. So your financial goal is not to become rich, but what is it then? So definitely not become rich. My my goal is to become financially independent. Mm -hmm. So I will have the freedom to choose to work or not work. Currently, I have to work. Otherwise, I will maybe last, I don't know, two years at max. But my goal is to be able is maybe to retire at 50, but at least to be financially independent at 50. As for retiring, we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll do another job or do something else. But ideally, being financially free. Yeah, uh, that's a lofty goal. And one I'm uh, pursuing as well to retire before uh, the traditional way of uh, retiring at 65 or 67. In Europe, this is the age where people go in retirement. And uh, yeah, we, we share our same goal here. One of the ways to achieve that for you is to invest in the stock markets. And I heard you speak on the Financial Independence Europe podcast, and you seem quite knowledgeable on all that is related to ETFs, investing in the stock markets, investing uh, through various online brokers in Europe, or at least you, you've done some comparisons, and that's why I brought you here. And uh, yeah, so can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your strategy on investing in the stock markets? Sure. So as you said, that's my main strategy to generate wealth in order to be financially independent. Maybe that won't be my only one, but that is my main one. So the idea is to invest in index funds. So uh, large funds replicating an entire stock market like the US stock market or the world stock market. uh, With that, we can reduce the costs. So we have very low cost per year. We have very good diversification because we invest in everything. If the market does well, we do well. If the market does not do well, we don't do well. But that's the way it is. We're not trying to time every single company or it will do. It's much simpler. In It's much safer. And I also believe it's actually more returns in the very long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's quite an easy approach. And it, you can kind of automate it by uh, investing a portion of your uh, paycheck or your income every month in such an ETF, for example. Yes, exactly. So that's what I do. At the end of the month, all money that is left is sent to my broker account. Once it's there, it's, I directly invest it. And then I I don't forget about it because I don't like the for, set and forget strategy, but I don't have to check it every day. It's invested and I will only sell it once I need it. Mm-hmm. And, and you keep a long perspective. So you're in it for uh, uh, like at least uh, 20 years, I understand. Yeah, so that will be like, yes, between 15 and 20 years. So we never know what happens in the meantime. It could happen that I need some of, of this of this money, but hopefully it will. It won't be uh, before 15 years that I have to sell it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the poor Swiss, your English is very good and you're very knowledgeable in, um, in, in uh, investing in stocks. And one thing I wanted to ask you, because, okay, you are Swiss, I'm Belgian, I live in Luxembourg, and most of what I hear... And most of the blogs I read in English and the podcasts you hear, it's all based on the US, it's our uh, American friends. And what they all do, I mean, mostly a common message is that they they invest in as well low cost index funds, but they invest mostly in the S&P 500. And that's probably one of their only thing they invest in, or at least 
is the largest part of their investment portfolio. For example, uh, I don't know, 75 to 85%, let's say, of their investing. Is that something we could replicate here in Europe or should we also invest in the S&P 500? Uh, how should we approach this? So it's true that they have an advantage in the US because their stock market is 50% of the world stock market. Mm -hmm. In Europe, uh, our stock markets are much smaller. The one in Switzerland is like 2.3% of the world stock market. So it will not make sense mm -hmm. for me to invest like 75% in Swiss stocks. That just just be too much in a small stock market. And investing too much in the US also does not make too much sense because then you also have the currency risk because all the US stocks are in US dollars and we have either the euros or the Swiss francs in Europe. So you need to find like a, a good balance between the two. What I'm doing is I have 20% in Swiss stock and 80% in uh, international stocks. And I try for the 80% to be simply in a world ETF. So half of this 80% will be in uh, the US, maybe like 10% in China, 30% in Europe and 10% in other countries, something like that. But I don't have to manage it. I use an ETF that replicates the world and I don't have to care about exactly what, which country invests in. I have two ETF and that's more than enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's not like uh, we can do the same, but then do the reverse. Like let's have a 80% Europe uh, ETF. It doesn't make sense neither as well, because then you, you don't diversify enough since the US markets represents in terms of market capitalization, market value, half of the world economy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't have a great face in the Europe economy, so I would be a bit worried if uh, I had 80% <laughs> in my stocks in Europe. But on the other hand, I don't want to eliminate them because that's just my opinion and I'm no smarter than other people. Mm -hmm. So for me, a world ETF is simply the best bet. And then if you can, if people want to make like adjustments, they can add 10%, uh, I don't know, S&P 500 or 10% uh, small stocks or whatever. But for me, the big amount should be in a world ETF for Europeans. I understand why the US don't diversify that much. They have enough of a stock market of their own. We don't have this luxury around here. So some some higher diversification should be should be done. Yeah, yeah correct. And uh, do you invest yourself uh, next to those uh, uh, ETFs? Do you also invest in your in uh, sorry, in individual shares or dividend stocks? So no dividend stocks because in Switzerland we are taxed more on dividends than capital gains. So I'm focusing, I have a very few uh, individual stocks, but I, I never want it to be more than 5% of my entire portfolio. So it's really little and it's mostly what I consider my fund money. I don't do as much research as I would if I were really investing in them. So I have some companies I like, uh, like my own company, or I'm also investing in Microsoft. I have a few Tesla shares, things like that. But that's very little uh, compared to the amount total. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. And okay, the poor Swiss, I understand you invest in Europe and in the US. And uh, one problem or one issue I, I face is that people say, well, look, Jonathan, I listened to your podcast. I uh, read your blog. I'm ready to invest. And I see the philosophy, I did my research, or I'm still looking or I'm still doing it. But what? how do I get started with investing in the stock markets in Europe? Because um, I cannot go to, to uh, you know, the American companies like Vanguard directly. Uh, which online broker should I use? Should I go to my bank or should I go to my local um, 
broker in my country? Are there others in Europe that I need to be aware of? So that, that's a great question because it's not as easy as it should be. As you said, in the US, we can simply go directly to Vanguard, open phones, and then send money uh, every time we want. We don't have to go through a broker. In Europe, we can do the same. The problem is that we don't have access to good funds. So Vanguard does not have direct fund offers, at least in Switzerland, maybe in a few countries in Europe, that's the case. So I would think that most people in Europe should invest directly in ETFs. And there we have access to uh, Vanguard ETF. It's about the same as an index fund. It's just that it's traded on the stock market, but it makes it a bit more difficult because then you need a broker account and you need to understand a little about the stock market and that can be a bit intimidating for some people. But that's still the way I will go for everybody in Europe because that's much cheaper than to go to a bad index fund and you have access to a very, very large amount of ETF on the, on the stock market. Mm -hmm. Very good. And then, you know, when I, if I need to look at, um, I'll go, I'll talk about the platforms later, but if I need to look at, the, um, at an ETF, you know, for example, I, I, I tell myself, look, I'm Belgian. I want to find a Belgian ETF. I want to invest as well uh, in the US and uh, maybe I want an ETF in, I don't know, let's say the tech sector or luxury sector, for example. How do I look for those? Uh, how can I find the right one? Because I try to look myself. And there's like uh, S&P 500, there's like, let's say, well, uh, 500 of them. So how can I know which one to, to pick? So yeah, the first thing I look at is the the TER, total expense ratio, which is the amount you will pay in uh, in fees every year. So this will be lost regardless of the performance. So even if you lose money on the stock market, you will lose even more because of the cost. So we should uh, limit that. And the second thing I look at is the size of the fund because a very small fund is more risky because it is less volatile. So if you want to sell it, it may be difficult if there are few other investors. Mm -hmm. And also it's more risky in a sense that it could close down, whereas a huge fund has very little risk. I mean, if we take some of the Vanguard funds with uh, uh, several trillions of dollars instead, the, the risk of that being closed is very, very low. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's not zero, but it's much lower. So that's what I will look for. And then, of course, you have to make a, a balance of them. If one is like 100 times uh, smaller, but I will, I don't know, one uh, basis point cheaper, I will not take it. I will still take the one with ba one basis point more expensive. But Generally, a good source in Europe is uh, justetf.com. So they have a ton of ETF for each country. And then you can compare them. You can look at the tier, the fund size. Also, you can look at the where the fund is located, which could be important for tax reasons. For instance, in Europe, uh, generally speaking, the best funds are in Ireland because they have a better tax treaty with other countries. It's probably not the case for every country in Europe. So unfortunately, you have to do a bit of research on your on your hand. But for Switzerland, we try to favor Ireland funds or ideally US funds, which uh, you can save then a few extra costs on the dividends. Yeah, and I think my um, <clears throat> actually my funds, uh, my ETFs that I am investing in, uh, the S&P 500, for example, it's the ticker starts with IE. So it's based in Ireland. So yeah, it's. 
It's true. I mean, many, many funds I've seen uh, sold through iShares, they are based in Ireland. Indeed. No, that, that's very good. Uh, thank you for that. And then, of course, then there's a choice of platforms. And uh, in Europe, okay, each country have their own platforms, their banks. And then we have like more broad platforms such as in interactive brokers and the Jiro, for example. Uh, do you have any uh, ones that uh, you are using yourself or that you have studied or compared? So I've been using actually both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I started with Dejiro and then I switched to Interactive Brokers. I think both are really good. And Dejiro is actually si much simpler to use than Interactive Brokers. And for Europeans, uh, it could be even cheaper than Interactive Brokers, but it's not a big difference. The main difference for me was that uh, in Europe, uh, except for Switzerland, we can't invest in U.S. Uh, ETFs anymore mm -hmm. for uh, some uh, regulation reason. In Switzerland, we still can, but only through uh, interactive brokers, not Dejiro. So that's why I kept it. But if it was not for that, I would have simply stayed with Dejiro, which is a, a good platform. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, the thing is, I tried myself to uh, register to Dejiro. But now I'm a fiscal resident in Luxembourg. So as a Belgian, I mean, if I was in Belgium, I could do it. But since I live in Luxembourg, no, it's not possible. So that was a bit unfortunate because they offer such low fees. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it would be interesting. So I was discussing it with a colleague, actually, and that's why I was interested in that question. And the offer in Luxembourg is not that great, unfortunately. So now that colleague, uh, we, we studied the question together and now he will, uh, he opened an account with interactive brokers. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear his feedback. At least if you live in Luxembourg, I think that's the, one of the best options you, you can have. Yeah, obviously it will depends where you live. Mm -hmm. I guess that some other countries in Europe have little choice or maybe have better choice than us. So you should always do a little research on your country. Do not simply assume that one is the best because uh, the poor Swiss or Jonathan tells you it's the best one. Correct. But, uh, <laughs> do your research and then try to find reviews of them and uh, take your decision uh, with some good amount of information. Mm -hmm. Good, good. One question to you. Uh, it's a bit more personal, but uh, you're the poor Swiss. You live in Switzerland. But have you lived in, um, in other countries in Europe or uh, abroad? So I've never lived for more than six months abroad. So I, I'm a very local guy. <laughs> I've spent all my life in Switzerland. So I have very little experience with actually other countries in Europe. I am asking because, you know, when you... Um, I, I have been moving around a bit in the last years. And uh, that's also why I, my broker is actually Belgian. And I think it was easy for me to have that broker. It's called Bolero. And uh, they're quite good. A bit more expensive than the Giro, so that's the only thing. But for the rest, they offer quite, it's a quite a good platform, very comprehensive, etc. But it was easy to to um, to open an account with them because uh, when I opened it, I was living in Norway, and when I moved to Luxembourg two years ago, it was easy. I just had to send in a form uh, signed by myself, and I could keep all my shares and stuff like this. So it was very easy. So at least. Uh, if people, and especially in Europe, you know, people move easily from one country to another and it can, can be for uh, love, for work, or just because people want to travel for their, um, because they're digital nomads in Europe. So yeah, it's something to, to consider as well that, for example, if you live in, today in Holland and you have a DeGiro account, well, maybe it's easy if you plan to move to Spain, well, you can still probably keep it with just a form to send to the, to the broker. 
that's a great point because I never considered that before. But it's true that uh, if you know you are going to move in one or two years or even five, you really want to make the move as uh, seamless as possible. And ideally, especially for your investment, people always consider the bank. They think it's difficult to move, but that's very easy to liquidate a bank and then simply move the money. Uh, liquidate a, a large portfolio of stock is not as easy. So if you can keep the exact same account and simply change your address, it's much easier. So indeed for these people, I will try to consider international brokers, which are EB, IBs and Tejiro, uh, which probably works in most of the countries in Europe. But obviously there could be some exceptions. Like you said, you can't have Tejiro. So maybe for people planning to move to Luxembourg, it would be better if they, they use interactive brokers already in advance, even if they live in France, or maybe some other that are available in both countries or even more countries than that. Mm -hmm. No, very good. And uh, the poor Swiss, you uh, have done some extensive research and I've been on your blog. It's, it's easy to, uh, uh, to enter it and uh, not escape it for uh, three or four hours because there's a lot of uh, great topics. I was just wondering, which resources did you use? How did you do your research yourself uh, before entering the stock markets? And yeah, where do you get your information from? So I guess I started with, like most people in the American uh, blogs, about I discovered financial independence by kind of chance once. And then I, I looked at many blogs and then I realized what you said before. They cannot all be applied easily to Switzerland. Uh, they use Vanguard, but they use their funds. So we have to use their ETF. So we have to find the equivalents. They directly have their 401k things, but we have different things in every country in Europe. So I, I had to do my research and mostly I did it myself. There are a few good blogs around in Switzerland and uh, more and more coming in Europe. But mostly I, I did my research myself. So I go like to, to the Giro, I read all their their fees. I try to get already some existing reviews of it. I do the same for interactive brokers. Then I do a comparison. Then I check ETFs and such. I read books as well. But it takes a lot of time. And my hope is that by sharing it on my blog, some other people will not have to do as much research as I did, even though I still believe that most people should do as much research as they can. Mm -hmm. And do you have, uh, for example, a few good books that you uh, would recommend, I mean, for people on starting their uh, financial uh, independence journey with investing in stocks, what should they read? So that's a good question. Uh, so I don't have a good book related to directly related to Europe, unfortunately. I never read one so far. Probably <laughs> it exists, but uh, somebody has maybe yet to write it. Uh, I would say that the Bogolet's Guide to Investing is a good one. On the the John Bogle's book, now I actually forgot the, the title, but something with passive investing uh, is really great to get started with why passive investing is the way to go. And then uh, I would say maybe if, uh, Financial Freedom by Grant Sabatier is actually uh, a okay book to start about financial independence. But there are not that many books on financial independence. I generally prefer to read blogs. I don't think it's really worth it to buy books on financial independence. Okay, okay, that's uh, interesting. Now, I, uh, I mean, it's true that I mean, if I think of my books, usually they're more mostly Americans, and it's quite good. I mean, it gives you the mindset, it explains you how things work, and I think this can be applied here. But then, concretely on investing, you know, most of them, as we said, 
it's about investing in low-cost uh, Vanguard uh, funds. And here, we, yeah, we don't really have books that say, well, invest in the ETF this and that from Switzerland or France, Belgium, Spain, I don't know what. One of the bloggers I followed and which I started with, is it's a guy named Luc Briali. It's, he's a French guy, but he sometimes talk about Belgium and uh, the specificities of France and Belgium, so it helps. So I keep his blog always in the background. And then most of the other ones are, Fran uh, sorry, American. And then we have, um, uh, I connected with a few people on Twitter, so I'll read their posts as well, but it's people in the UK, people here and there. And the one book I really like, and it's uh, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. It's still from an American guy, Ramit Sethi, but it, it explains a lot about the psychology behind investing uh, as well. It's not really financial independence per se. It's more like, here's the, a few tools to get started with your finances, uh, how to save for a wedding, how to talk about uh, money with your spouse, etc. He also talks about, for example, how to negotiate your salary. So it, it's a, a different perspective and it's a complete package but it's interesting the way he talks about investing in the stock markets it, it's quite great as well i like his perspective so he's more of a nerd in a, in a way like he, he likes to automate stuff automate savings automate investing in the stock markets he tries to remove the, the emotional component from investing for example yeah i've already read this book so there is there are some great parts as you said like all the the aspect of discussing it, of ne negotiating, of getting in the right state of mind. Mm -hmm. Actually, don't I didn't like the automation part. I actually think it's a bad idea to automate everything in your finances because then you just become too lazy, <laughs> in my opinion. But maybe that's just my problem and not most people because it's actually better to automate if you're not able to do it yourself. But for people able to do it themselves, I believe it's better to do it by hand. Uh, you have more control. You can perfect it better yeah and i read your article about uh, automation which you don't agree with but the thing is and i think what ramit uh, says in his book and what i like about that it's as well to help people to get started at least to put 10 percent, 15 percent, whatever of your salary at the start of the month to, to an investment account or savings account it's just to enter in the habit and of course in the next phase i think if you've done that for a couple of months or years Maybe it's good to, as you do, uh, yeah, to rebalance, to, to have a look. Am I putting my money in the right place? And maybe to reconsider maybe every three months or six months. I don't know. But I, I think, yeah, it's really to, to get started. And most people, they don't have this habit uh, like you and I probably have of putting our money uh, already every month in a savings account or investment account. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's definitely an easy way to... To get started and if you automate it it forces you to get this 10 percent or 15 or whatever percent to your investments or to your savings or whatever and then you cannot uh spend them that's yeah true. exactly that's that's the idea behind it and then uh, the poor swiss one question uh, is that yeah you you invest in the stock markets but how long have you been doing that uh, how many years so not very long for my last time so i started investing about two and a half years ago mm -hmm. But before that, I started investing like 12 years ago, something like that. Unfortunately, I invested like for six months 
And then uh, I did the big mistake of uh, selling, getting scared of the <laughs> of everything going down. Uh, I didn't lose much money, if I remember. It must be I may have lost like 100 Swiss franc or something like this. But uh, it was a really stupid decision of me. And the worst thing is that then I waited like 10 years to invest again. I would have, uh, if I kept uh, with this habit a very long time ago, I would already be much better on my way to financial independence. But so yeah. <laughs> currently only been two and a half years. Why do you think you made that mistake in the first place 12 years ago? Why did you panic and sell? And uh, why weren't you consistent with your uh, investment uh, habits? Uh, because at that time I knew next to nothing about investing. I was contacted by a bank. The bank I was already using at that time, they proposed me to invest some money because I had enough on my uh, savings account. But they didn't help me in a sense that they didn't provide me any information about how exactly it was working. They just presented me with the returns, everything like this, just to make you invest and, of course, get the get the high uh, fees at the end. So I don't think it, they are really making a good service to people like that. But yes, I invested without any research, exactly what I'm advising against. So nobody's perfect at all. Yeah. So if we have listeners that have not yet started with investing, well, the advice would be then to yeah, do your research, listen to podcasts, read books, read blogs, read the Poor Swiss blog. Uh, it's quite interesting, especially if you're in Europe. Um, if you're in the US, you're welcome to read as well, of course. But yeah, do your research and then only then when you feel ready, uh, yeah, get, get uh, started with investing uh, uh, in the stock markets. Totally agree. There's an order to thing. And uh, first you learn, then you invest and you need to stick with it. And I think it's especially true now. I mean, most people are 25% down from, from the top. If you started investing in, uh, let's say, January or December, so people have a probably a really hard time not to sell. And I'm sure that some people already sold, but don't. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, we are in this Corona time. So myself, I've been, I started to invest uh, in 2014. So almost six years ago. I think it was at the end. So let's say five years and a half, six years. And uh, yeah, I've been investing regularly, etc. So what should I do with my money now? I'm With my money, should I sell stuff? Should I, should I keep on investing? Should I just do nothing? What would you say, uh, the poor Swiss? So I would say keep investing. Mm -hmm. You're just paying less for the same thing. If you were investing in January where valuations were like 25 or 30% higher, there's no reason not to invest now. It's just the same thing, but cheaper. So in the long term, it will pay off to buy more now because it will appreciate more than what you bought before. And the worst thing you can do is sell now because that's a bad time to sell because you just lost money. You just want to continue investing or if you're really scared of it, you can reduce a little, keep more money on the side because this is also difficult times for maybe some people who are afraid to be laid off or something like that. Correct. But the worst thing is to sell. The next worst thing is uh, to stop investing. The best thing is to continue in your course Everybody knows uh, uh, bear market was coming. We didn't know when. Now we know, but there will be other ones like this. Uh, and uh, people that invest have to be ready for this kind of events. Mm -hmm. And should I try to maybe buy the stocks at the cheapest price possible? Should I wait for the 
a further correction of the markets or uh, should I just keep on investing, uh, let's say, every month, which is actually what I'm doing? So if you know when the lowest point is, yes, sure, go ahead. But the problem is that it, nobody knows. <laughs> uh, see, if, see, if people know, they are really lucky, but that's it just comes down to luck at the end. Some people will tell you they bought at the lowest point, but uh, 99 other people will tell you that they didn't. So simply keep investing monthly or weekly or whatever your current plan is. It generally doesn't help to try to time the market and get the best deals because nobody can predict exactly where it's going. It's cool to start going up already now. Maybe we have already seen the lowest point or maybe the lowest point is in two months and 50% lower than now. Nobody knows. So there's really no point in trying. Um, okay, very, yeah, indeed, I agree. Uh, the poor Swiss, I mean, uh, this is something, um, yeah, people maybe who are not so familiar with, they think that investing in the stock markets is like trading. And uh, it's not about trying to time the market to find the point, maybe in three days, uh, the stock, let's say the Tesla share will drop 20% and then I'm going to buy it because then I'm going to make, uh, let's say, I don't know, uh, 300% over three months and then resell it again. This is not how you and I are investing. We are investing for the long haul, for the long term, for more than 20 years. And then those market drops, etc., they will happen. It's unfortunate, but that's part of it. It's an opportunity to buy at cheaper price, as you said. And we're certainly not trying to, to time the market and to try to buy the cheapest possible because I'm not smart enough to to predict. Nobody is, as you said. So yeah, it's no point trying to to do a to play a, a guess game here. Just keep on investing, and over the over the long haul, you will have averaged down your price during because you bought shares during these down times. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a sound strategy. Do nothing, and it's also the easiest. If you're really scared of the stock market right now, simply don't look at it. Forget it for maybe six months. Keep your uh, investment going, but don't look it. Don't look at it in details, and it will go up eventually. We just don't know when. Yeah, correct. Keep a long-term perspective. Really like that. And the poor Swiss, we have come at the end of the show. Uh, so thank you so much for all your uh, precious information. I think it will be very helpful for the European listeners, and yeah, for the American listeners. Uh, I know that you are there. Yeah, you will understand what a mess we are in uh, in Europe here with all the different countries, different markets, different tax regulations in every country. We didn't go into details on that one, but yeah, honestly, it can be painful. So uh, we didn't go enter into that. Um, anyway, so the poor Swiss, before we close the show, uh, we always have our three quick fire questions. So the first one is, what is the best investment you have ever made so far? I would say my career. Mm -hmm. So I, I did a PhD in computer science, and I think that's the best investment in myself. That, of course, that don't pay directly because I had to do five years of uh, almost five years of PhD with uh, not as much pay as I would have in the private sector. But in the long term, I think it will definitely pay off uh, as a very very good investment. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good, and. Um because you know sometimes you know you, you hear those Americans um, with a high um, student loan debt etc this does not apply here but then people are saying yeah is it really worth it to to study so long and especially in your case 
you have had a lower income during those five years, so you still believe that was worth the investment? Uh, yes, but on the of course it was definitely worse in my case. Mm -hmm. But I don't have any student loan, so in Europe not many people have. Education is quite cheap, and during the five almost five years of PhD, I was actually paid. So I I got an income instead of some people actually having to pay for that. And even my bachelor and my master was quite cheap. So if I had like three hundred or four hundred thousand in student loan debt. Maybe I would not say it's really worth it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I would have to see uh, in the US how it is. But in Europe, it's definitely worth it to to get a good uh, um, good investment in your career. And that doesn't have to stop at school. I mean, you can always get courses online. You can always read books to improve your career, get books on negotiations, things like that. There are many ways to continue improving. It should not stop once you stop working, once you start working. You know, I, I mean, I'm uh, educated myself. I'm a master of science in business engineering. I will never tell you that it's uh, it was a bad decision. I mean, it's okay. I studied in Belgium mostly. I had uh, some exchange period in uh, Denmark, but you know, okay, we are lucky that it doesn't cost so much, so it was affordable, and I'm I'm really happy and proud to have studied at, the, at that school because it's uh, it given me the tools to advance further in my career and in my personal development as well. And now, as you say, well, I do sometimes online courses. Uh, lately, in the last uh, couple of years, I've tried to increase my reading, and this is how I continue to develop. But it all started, I mean, the school was a good basis to to figure out what I wanted and how to go, um, how to develop my career, my wishes, and uh, yeah, to give me a, a good toolbox, I would say. Yeah, completely agree with you on that. Okay, and uh, talking about books, uh, this is a question I really love as well, is what is the best uh, book you've read lately or you can recommend to anybody and it does not need to be uh, financial? So I would say it's Deep Work by uh, Cal Newport. Okay. So it was a really great book. I think one really one of the best books I've read recently. It's not about investing, although... It's a way of investing in yourself mm -hmm. by really uh, focusing on your time to be able to work deeply on something. You are able to be, work more, much more efficiently. And uh, the author of the book is a great example because he's able to have a very good career in, um, in uh, teaching and he's still doing many research papers. He's still writing books, still has a family and he's able to manage everything by being very, very efficient at what he's doing. And I think it's a great way to work better and produce more. Yeah, and I think this is a new high in demand skills because we all get distracted and uh, it's sometimes hard not to look at your phone. Sometimes, you know, I have those two, three hours of deep work or like at least focused work without distraction, but sometimes it's, you have those mornings and it's it's hard to, to focus. So yeah, probably I should get a copy of that book as well. And uh, <laughs> maybe this will help me as well. Yeah, these days it's really difficult. I mean, you have everything in real time, things popping on your Twitter, on your Facebook, on your phone, on everything. It's really dis difficult to actually turn it off. Mm -hmm. Correct. And then uh, the poor Swiss, uh, last question, uh, last quick fire question. Uh, what is the best purchase you can recommend for under $100 or euros or Swiss franc? <laughs> <laughs> so that will be my Kindle. So I got a Kindle, I don't know, maybe 
six or seven years ago the first time, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I really, really liked it. For travel, it's, it's really great. I mean, you can take 10 books in your pocket. You don't have to carry like five or six kilos of books every time. And you can get books instantly. For instance, during the this period, it's very great because uh, Amazon stopped delivering in Switzerland, but we can still get their books through Kindle in uh, a matter of seconds. And uh, it's really, really convenient. You have uh, all the books. Uh, I still lacks, like a good book, uh, paper book, I mean, but uh, it's Kindle is too much convenient to not use it, I guess. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's something I've been considering as well. I have no Kindle myself, but I really like books as well. This, this is still the, my preferred way of reading, but I started as well with Audible to listen to books, for example, when I'm on the road, in the car, for example, etc. And I think it's quite practical. And then, yeah, maybe a next step would be the Kindle uh, just to save space at home <laughs> as well. Yeah, that's true. But So I say Kindle, but uh, I don't have something just for Amazon. Any other uh, reader will do uh, very well uh, too. Okay, very good, very good. And the Poor Swiss, uh, yeah, we talked about your blog, thepoorswiss.com. So that's where people can reach you. Any other ways to, to contact you or uh, find, uh, yeah, find you on uh, social media? So... I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, uh, just The Poor Swiss, exactly as the name of the blog. These three places, my blog, the Facebook and Twitter will be the best places to, to connect with me. Okay, very good. And I'll uh, link all your information in the show notes so people can uh, find you easily. So very good. So thanks again, uh, The Poor Swiss, for this uh, interesting conversation. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, really enjoyed talking to my friend, the poor Swiss. It was a pleasant conversation. I learned a lot today and I hope you did too. Yeah, I really cannot recommend enough. If you live in Europe and are interested in investing in the stock markets, yeah, go visit his website. It's full of useful information. And I also want to give a special thanks to the poor Swiss. This was actually the second recording. I messed up on the technical part in the first recording. So sorry about that and thanks again. And I actually made another uh, mistake in the episode. <laughs> I mentioned ticker symbol when I should have said ISIN. The ticker symbol is an abbreviation of the stock. For example, you may have seen Tesla is TSLA or the Apple stock is AAPL. The ISIN code is on the other hand a unique identification number and the two first letters are the, um, yeah, the country of issue of the security. And with that out of the way, let's go for the key takeaways. Number one, it makes sense for Europeans to invest an important part of your stock portfolio in the US stock markets since they account for half of the world market cap. However, if you're confused about which portion to allocate to uh, US stocks or European stocks or uh, emerging market stocks, well, a great alternative is to invest in a world ETF like the poor Swiss does. The geographical diversification is then taken care of. Number two, Vanguard funds are only available in a limited number of countries in Europe. I think it's possible in the UK. I think Araminta Robertson mentioned it in the second episode of the podcast. Uh, nevertheless, you can still access uh, Vanguard funds through online brokers. The next point, uh, what to look for in an ETF, in an exchange-traded fund. Uh, well, there were two things. Uh, the total expense ratio, so the lower, the better. And the size of the fund, the larger, the better. So yeah, for more info, you can uh, visit the website he recommended, uh, justetf.com. I also linked it in the show notes. 
Next, if you plan to move around in Europe, try to find a broker with whom you will be able to stay with. This will allow you to avoid the hassle and potential costs of transferring your stocks and ETFs to another broker and avoid the need to create uh, many brokerage accounts here and there in every country you travel to or you, you're going to establish yourself. And last but not least, I asked the poor Swiss what to do with regards to the current bear market due to the coronavirus. And his recommendation is uh, pretty similar to mine, actually. So the best option is to keep a long-term perspective and continue to invest regularly and not to try to time the market. This is anyway almost humanly impossible to, to do. <laughs> and the next best option is to pause your investments and maybe save that money for uh, an emergency. Don't look at the stock markets for a, a long period, for example, six months. And yeah, if you can avoid it, yeah, try not to sell uh, your stocks. Uh, keep them for the long haul. The stock markets have always historically recovered from a bear market. So this time will not be any different. However, yeah, how long it will take, nobody knows. <laughs> so that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.